everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcast Podcast. Uh, I'm Corey. I'm Wes. And today we are thrilled to be joined by none other than Dylan Sizemore of Frankie and the Witchfingers. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm good. Taking taking it a day at a time, you know, mm-hmm. with, with everything that's going on. But today has been good. Um, how, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. All right. Um, I there's some shit going down at work. Uh, for my work, at least. Uh, three people tested positive for COVID. Um, oh God! So, you know, shit's kind of on a hair trigger over there. Um, but we're staying safe, wearing masks, social distancing. So, you know, and uh, it's a it's a a news station, so we can't exactly be like, you know, I'm just not going to go into work today. <laughs> so yeah yeah you gotta tell the news every day yeah. yep wow so we'll stay yeah. safe for sure trying to trying to Wes how about you uh doing good um at my work uh my boss has been on vacation for like the past three weeks and he just came back today so boss if you're watching uh we're glad you're back <laughs> <laughs> now nah, he's a good guy what was that where do you work? A little sign shop here in our little town. Um, of course, I make signs, but I'm also uh, learning how to solder and build shit. It's kind of like an apprenticeship, really, but it's fun. I like it. I made oh. uh, I made these things up here, except for that. But yeah, it's real fun. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Does it say Rat Sabbath? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were going to play yeah. a show um, doing Black Sabbath covers, but our band's called Minced Mice, so I was like, oh, let's call ourselves Rat Sabbath. So I just changed the logo and screen printed it. That's a really good name. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I don't think it tops uh, Mac Sabbath, though, the McDonald's <laughs> cover band of Black Sabbath. Yeah, I've seen them, and they're crazy. Like, how, like to play Sabbath songs is already like a feat. And uh-huh. then to do it in a in a fucking grimace costume, like I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand how they pull that off. They're insane. Good. You've actually seen them live? Yeah, yeah. Dang. <laughs> where where have you seen them? I saw well, I saw them in L.A. I can't remember what like the theater was, maybe the Fonda, but um, I guess they have to sign like an NDA before they when they join the group that, that, so they can't like tell people they're in the band. But, um, my girlfriend, Nikki's, uh, friends with like, a, you know, I can't say who, but like one mm-hmm. of the members. So we went to go see them play. <laughs> I don't oh, know. That's badass. It's so funny, like, to, to be secretive about a band you're in, but yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they were great. I think there was a, uh, mariachi, uh, Metallica cover band as well. Whoa. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of weird ones. We remember we're me and uh, Wesley and our other friend Justin. Uh, we <laughs> spent like a whole night just exploring different bands like that. <laughs> like Metallica, but like Beatallica. Like, I like yeah, Beatallica a lot. Beatallica <laughs> is like uh, Beatles songs, but they were all Metallica songs. It was crazy. I gotta check that out. That sounds up my alley. <laughs> I think I think their best album is uh, Sergeant Hetfield's Motor Breath Pub Band. That's a that's a great one. <laughs> Damn, the things just keep coming. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it all just starts with it starts with a pun, and they're like, let's just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just snowballs. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, getting into the the nitty gritty here. That's enough. That's enough fun. Yeah, Let's yeah. get into the serious <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Enough about Max Sabbath. Uh, <laughs> um, so, of course, we all know that you are an incredible musician. And one thing that we like to kind of delve into is the origins of that. So, like, how did how did you kind of get into music to begin with? Just mainly, like, solely you. Me as an individual, uh, like, just like you, you know, you can go way back. I guess like music, I've always kind of been a, a listener. Like that's how I view the world. Mm-hmm. Like some people are more visual. I think mm-hmm. I'm more auditory. Maybe you are too, because of the glasses. I feel like that has something to do with it. Like, 
you just hear things more. So I can remember even being a child and like, you know, just like tripping out on sounds and stuff. And then I grew up in like a pretty like, like half religious, half not religious. I'm from Kentucky. So there's like Pentecostal religion mm-hmm. there. So my, uh, my cousins were in like a kind of Pentecostal, like gospel group. And so I, played a lot of music with them and sang in church and kind of like, you know, when I was like a toddler mm-hmm. and then, yeah. And then, in, and then I, I had an older brother, I have an older brother and uh, I always got turned on to music by him and his friends. So even when I was like, you know, seven or eight, I was kind of listening to more like teenager music, which, you know, none of it was like, like, cool stuff i mean it was cool it's i like it but you know it's not considered like edgy or anything but i would be like you know eight years old like listening to like rob zombie and and eminem and stuff like nirvana that was the first time i got really into like guitar driven music was nirvana and then i kind of went down this like that's that's kind of when i picked up guitar and started learning guitar and learned a bunch of nirvana songs so Mm. yeah that's kind of like the beginning of being into music Mm -hmm. and how did that sort of transition into like what led to starting frankie and the witch fingers um so like yeah so i guess i moved out of my parents house when i was like 18 and i moved to lexington to live uh, lexington kentucky it's kind of like a bigger city um Mm. and so i moved into this like punk house with all these like older people like you know like people that were like 30, like in their thirties. And I was like, you know, just out of high school, but they were, they, it was this really cool, like house, I guess you call it a punk house. Like they did like house shows and stuff like every weekend. And, uh, back then I was really into kind of like folk punk and folk music, mm-hmm. like singer songwriter stuff. So I was doing that and, um, and living in that house, and then eventually uh, the guy that was kind of doing that and like had a label out there, he was like, I'm going to move to Bloomington, Indiana. I hear it's like, wait, you know, there's a, there's a bigger scene there. So I uh, moved to Bloomington to like kind of do the same thing, like follow the, the music and wanted to meet people. And then in Bloomington, I, I met everyone I know now, uh, the, the, old, the old guys that were in the band and jo- Josh, who's still in the band. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And sort of at the beginning of like, so the inception of Frankie, like when you guys first started, I mean, maybe necessarily you weren't called Frankie, but just when you guys started jamming together as like a group of friends, what were you guys like? Were you guys wanting to play originals already or was it just covers or? It's, so like when I met everyone who, who started in Frankie, Glenn, Josh, Alex, they, they were all in like a couple bands like Josh and Glenn were in trip tides. And then they had this other band called Prince Moondog. That was basically Frankie and the witch fingers minus me. I'd add this guy, Alex Barrett. And so when I met them, I was kind of, I was in a band at the time that, and I was kind of like a little jaded. Like I did, we weren't doing enough or at least for me, like I wanted to play more shows and write more songs and rehearse more. And they just kind of weren't doing that. So I, I met Glenn playing shows, but one night I, I like specifically, we were at like a karaoke bar, like hanging out. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I've been recording uh, other artists, like other than myself, like trying to get into that. So like, if you ever have any material and you want to come by, uh, I'd be happy to record you. And so I went over there the next day and I had all these songs stockpiled that like my band never wanted to work on. And, um, and it was kind of this different thing. Like I had imagined it being more like almost like the, like I really liked King Kong and the barbecue show. And so I had it in, in my head as like me, kick drum, guitar, very raw. But Glenn was like, Oh, you know, I can play the drums. I have a drum set. So when we were recording these songs, he was adding drums like like you know i'd show him the song real quick he'd play through it and then we'd track it and then um you know like however many songs later like that's what sidewalk is like so we hadn't even really started the band it was just kind of like he was like i'm down to record you 
and I was like, cool, I have all these songs that I've been wanting to been wanting to play with someone. And then he like, you know, put it all together, produced it. And Josh was like, they were living together. So Josh came over and put some guitar on it. And I think I play bass most of that album, which is really bad because I had never played bass. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's how it started. It was more of like a recording thing. Hmm. Yeah. That's really cool that you kind of jumped like headfirst into what would become recording sidewalk. Well, it's I, like it wasn't that wasn't the intention, you know. It was yeah. kind of just like he just wanted to he wanted to record someone, and I had songs, so I was lucky in that way of just like meeting up with someone and like the way Trip Tides were doing things. Josh and Glenn is it was kind of similar. Like they would have a song, and then the, that day they would record it and kind of write it all at the same time. And so I lucked out because I had never really been a part of a process like that. So when I met them, they kind of like let me into this process of just like, Oh, you've got a song. We'll just, we'll record it. We'll, we'll overdub whatever. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you got an album. It was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you, cause I know the, the Beatles did like, I heard Paul McCartney uh, talk about like how him and John, they'd be like, yeah, we'd have a song and we wouldn't leave until we'd finish a song that day. Is that sort of how you record or are you kind of like, yeah, I have this idea. I'll maybe record like a little bit of it now and maybe revisit it later. I like mean, how, what's then, your process? Back then it was definitely more like that. And that's, that's because of their, the way they work, especially Glenn. He was kind of a completist. I think he still is like, I'm sure, you know, Trip Tides has like four albums they've recorded right now that no one heard. <laughs> like, yeah. He's that way. And so like, you know, I'd come in with a song and, and and then it would just be like, yeah, let's get it done. We just smoke hella bowls and like get it done. And that, you know, it wasn't like, I guess it, there wasn't the intention of like, we have to get it done today, but it mm-hmm. felt that way. The way we were working, just like, okay, that works. And it's kind of cool. Like, I think now we take our time more and want to like, you know, cl- like to have things be cleaner. But then it was so raw and so, like, you know, it was on an eight track, like, cassette uh, task cam, like, what are they called? 448 or 488? I don't even know my stuff. But, you know, I want <laughs> those little eight track recorders. And it was just so blown out and stuff that it, it didn't really matter. You didn't have to be, like, super precious about it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Uh, was that sort of transition from, was that like a natural thing, wanting to record like cleaner stuff and take your time with it? Or was that more of like a natural um, or more of a conscious thing? Like, no, with this, like with your newer albums, are you like, I want to make sure that this is as good as we can get it? Or, you know, how did that process sort of work? I think it was a slow process because... Like sidewalk was literally like, oh, I came to your house and then boom, like, holy shit, there's a record now. <laughs> or it wasn't a record, it was cassette mm-hmm. uh, later to become a record. But And then from there, it was kind of like, oh, this is a really cool process. And kind of like then adding my own, you know, like like getting used to how they do things and then being like, okay, well, now that I see how you do this, like maybe, maybe we could uh, – we could actually write a song and then and then rehearse it and then we could record it and so we started doing that there's a couple songs on heavy roller like i know 6000 horns is like that's all of us playing live and that was the first time that had happened before mm-hmm. then it was just me and playing guitar and uh glenn playing drums and then everything else was overdubbed so that was like a slow process and then you know like right before zam when uh I think, no, we did this on the 7-inch with Glenn, too. Like, the Drip T 7-inch, we Mm -hmm. kind of rehearsed the songs and then played them. And so, like, I think gradually it just became, that became more part of the process of, like, oh, we're going to, like, play it live. And Mm -hmm. so now where we've arrived is, like, we want to, you know, write the songs almost in their entirety, maybe even, like, record a rough version of them to really you know, hammer out like the details and, and listen back and come up with more stuff. And so it's just gradually gotten more like, you know, zoomed in to like being able to rehearse things and play them through live. And 
play them through. Do you think you'll ever um, release like a Frankie and the Witch Fingers um, like demos, unreleased jam sessions in the studio, something like that? Because I think that'd be really cool. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, there aren't so many demos like of song like that's kind of a newer process that we've been uh-huh. doing so i think it could be cool in the future when we've when we've like gathered enough of those demos um yeah so like because like we basically you know over this last year of doing absolutely nothing we tried to spend uh, a good amount of our time like like making a rehearsal space that's also kind of a recording studio and and it's just like this new process we're trying where we want to like record you know we'll do we'll record our rehearsals and then you know in between rehearsing songs we like to jam to keep it loose so it's Mm -hmm. like now that everything's being recorded we just have that jam like recorded pretty pretty well you know Mm -hmm. because everything's mic'd and stuff and so yeah I'm not sure if this is like our process We're, we're kind of in the middle of figuring it out but if it is I think I think we will have a lot of uh, demos, so that would be rad. It would be rad. <laughs> <laughs> we had I had mentioned on the the deep dive that we had done of you guys um, that the realization demo that's on the B side of the pleasure seven inch that you guys have, yeah, uh, that's really cool. I really like the way that sounds. That's re- yeah. There's something about that, right? Where it's like I don't know, like some people even are like purist about it where they're like, you know, the first time you capture it or close to the first time you capture it, like that's the essence of it. And so it's just trying to find that balance. And like, I think that comes through in demos. Like sometimes you just can't uh, top the demo because it was just so fresh and so like spontaneous. And then you've kind of overthought it so much that you kind of like beat it to death a little bit. And maybe maybe it's got more like, you know, shimmer or whatever. It's got a little more going on, but like sometimes the bare bones of it is like the, that's, you know, the essence of the thing. And you're like, you know, you respond to that just as much mm-hmm. as you would something that's well produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's not the case with realization because they're both great. <laughs> <laughs> the studio version is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's like the, like Alanis Morissette thing is like, you know, I think half of Jagged Pill is like, you know, cause it's like, it's like the music industry, right? So they have these demos, they send them in and they're like, okay, now you have to do like a better studio version of it. And Atlantis is all like, no, I think these, you know, these are the tracks, like mm-hmm. I, there's no way we can beat this. And then, you know, they do it anyway, cause they have studio money or whatever. But then like, even, even at, they do that, like highly produced versions of the song and then you know, they bring them back to the the major label or whatever, and they're just like, "Okay, you're right. Demos are better." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that is pretty good segue from that is talking about the energy of your studio stuff. So, I've I've seen a lot of bands live, um, or a few bands live that I hadn't heard their studio stuff yet, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like their live energy and like just live presence is incredible i'm like i can't wait to check out their their studio stuff and you know get get amped and stuff but then i listen to it i'm like hmm it, it the energy doesn't really match you know mm-hmm. but with with frankie the witch fingers i listened to all of your stuff first uh from zam and then before and i was like god almighty like this energy is insane and then i saw you guys at levitation a few years back and the energy was ramped up even more. I was like, Jesus Christ, I didn't know this was possible. And I was just wondering, like, how do you how do you match that energy level in the studio? Like, I don't know if it's kind of a compare and contrast to live stuff, but just how do you get that energy in general in your live studio stuff? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think playing live together has a big part of that. Like, you know, that's where that comes from a lot of the time is like, and I'm glad that's been more a part of the process because as that, you know, it's, that goes back to, to like how much you like over, like if you record two versions of something versus like trying it like 10 times, it's like usually the like first or second time you do it just has more energy because you're just like, yeah, let's play the song. And then by the time you've like played it over and over, it's like you lose that energy. Mm. And so, yeah, I think, 
you know, in the studio, obviously you don't move around as much uh, as you would live, but just trying to still put out that just, I think it just comes to, for me, it's, it's about just like being sucked into the song that you're playing and, and a lot, you know, so if it's a high energy song, then uh, I like to be high energy just to keep up, keep up with the music. And then, you know, if you record it live, I think that that comes through. Mm -hmm. Definitely does. Was that how you recorded Zam? Was it live recordings with that? Yeah, yeah. That's all Mm -hmm. uh, just like bass, drums, two guitars, scratch vocals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. It's crazy. Is it? I don't know if like the musicians realize um, like once they've released an album and it's kind of settled for a few years if like you would realize it, that that's kind of a staple in like the psych, like the modern psych genre, um, because getting into psych when whenever we first did, it was just like yo, you know, I had mentioned this in the deep dive also. Like we saw like OC's uh, Ty Siegel, Giz, and stuff, and then one of the ones that always popped up too was like Brain Telephone, Heavy Roller. So that was you guys have always sort of been cemented in like the psych overhead that me and wesley are engulfed in yeah um, so I, I don't know if, i don't know if you've like if the musicians realize that like that's it's crazy <laughs> i mean uh that means a lot man um i mean psychedelic music i mean you know like anything like psychedelia as a whole is like is like almost like a religion in a way i'm well, not a religion it's such a shitty word but it's just like it's just there's some spiritualism involved in psychedelic music that i feel like that maybe isn't in other music it's like trans transcendental uh, anyway the point is like to be held with that that those artists you know that i've looked up to so much is is a huge honor so i appreciate that uh yeah i mean you try not try not to compare anything we do to other artists but like Mm -hmm. it's it's bound to happen and honestly like it's usually uh it mean you know it's what it's a compliment it's like it it means a lot like to uh yeah to be compared to bands you you admire Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean what do you guys like what, what do you guys dig about psychedelic music me personally, I like, uh, I mean, it's so vast. You can do so much with it. Like, it could be garage psych. You can have, like, spiritual psych. You can have, like, Beatles kind of psych. Like, uh, George Harrison kind of, like, you know, Indian-inspired or Eastern-inspired. You can mm-hmm. do so much with it, and I think that's why I really love it. And um, seeing psych bands play live, it's a lot different than watching other genres play live because... Like if you go to a, a punk show or whatever, like yeah, there's a lot of energy and you know you can feel the emotion. But <clears throat> when you go to a psych show, there's just this aura um, around the whole audience. I remember I saw Mild High Club live one time in like this really grimy, like shut down building, but it was one of the best shows I went to because like the whole you could f- feel everyone's energy there. It was. Just amazing. Uh, sorry mm-hmm. for going on that little tangent there, but no, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's. I mean, for for Wesley and I, it started young, I think, because that's what we bonded over is like the Beatles, so like and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. So like psychedelic stuff has always kind of been our go-to. Um, and then, I mean, growing up in the time that we grew up, there wasn't uh, much of that that we knew of. Like we had said, it was like System of a Down and. Uh, we red really Hot Chili Peppers. Rock, yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff like that. So, like, just rock stuff and, like, heavier rock stuff. But we kind of went through, like, a reawakening in, like, In high school. In like, high 2013, school. 14. But yeah, we found, like, Tame Impala and Temples. And that's what kind of just, you know, we we were never the same since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does that. Like, I mean, I, I have a similar experience. I feel like I got into psychedelic music pretty pretty late for like you know most of the people that i know mm-hmm. like when i moved to indiana it's kind of like i think someone actually turned me on to like the nuggets compilation and then like you know i heard the elevators and i was just like mm-hmm. what is this like something just clicked like this is home for me 
and then just you know digging into more of that stuff and then and then like there was this kind of more like modern psych scene happening in indiana with this like a record label slash like kind of collective called magnetic south and they have Mm -hmm. bands like apache dropout i saw ob and threes for the first time there and that was like almost like see it's like i mean now that i've seen iggy i can say that it's like oh it was almost like seeing like a early stooges show and that really connected the dots as far as like what like how live music can be psychedelic um so yeah i i i feel you guys on that it's like it's there's something different about it it's like Mm -hmm. it's more than uh it's more than you know it's more than the energy the raw like aggression of punk or something there's like there's some kind of thing happening when you see a really like honest psychedelic band yeah Yeah. that's a big reason i really love levitation um because it's just it seems like a kind of hub for artists of different kinds to go and meet like there's the like the live like they do the like the liquid light show artists in the back and then there's like cameramen recording everything and then the lights and stuff and you know the band it's just it's a creative wonderland pretty much like everywhere you look and that's another big reason like i really like live psych stuff in particular and speaking of live psych stuff you guys are coming back into live shows soon Yes. Um, after what has it a little over a year now, what, yeah. what is that like? What is it like going back into it? Oh man, I'm so excited. I mean, it was so weird because like it was this kind of this, like transitional period that we were going through, um, you know, with like out, like Alex who used to play bass was leaving and, and Nikki mm. was taking over and then we had all this stuff lined up and, and you know, we were really excited. We we're going to do South by and tour and just like, getting really amped about it new record to tour on and stuff and then it kind of just like all went away and um and then you know this like yeah the last year and a half has just been this kind of wild ride of like you know it like uncertainty kind of um so it's so nice to have this like light at the end of the tunnel of like Mm -hmm for me like live shows are like it's it's becoming very obvious that live shows are uh really important to my mental health (laughs) i need need it so i'm excited to get back to Mm -hmm. it yeah yeah do you guys are you guys finding you have to kind of dust the cobwebs off the old machine or is it just jumping right back into it feels like home yeah, no, it's, I mean, we've still been playing together, especially over the last couple of months. Like we've been working on some new material and working on our set and stuff. Um, I think the only like cobwebs that we're really knocking off are just like all of these songs are new to Nikki and she's killing it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's an amazing bass player um, and picking it up really fast. But like, you know, it's just like these songs we've toured on, you know, 2019, we were like on tour for like half the year. And so a lot of these songs are just like riding a bike for us. And, uh, you know, Nikki's getting used to that. And, uh, but it's, it's been a really, it's, it's going really well. And I, I can't wait to play, play more shows with these new songs and old songs. Some of the songs are old actually so they're they're even new to like sean like we're playing some kind of Mm -hmm. stuff off a heavy roller and stuff so very nice exciting um i'm actually going to see you guys at levitation again with kikugaku moyo at that show oh yeah Uh, so i can't wait it's funny because i actually talked to kikugaku moyo two episodes ago um so it's kind of it's gonna be a little reunion you know yeah (laughs) that's awesome it's it's gonna be Halloween, right? So like yeah, it's Halloween weekend. How wild is that? <laughs> yeah, even more psychedelic. Everyone dressed up in weird masks <laughs> yeah. and shit. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll summon actual spirits and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Seance. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's funny that you were saying that. Like you kind of began like singing in like a like a church. And stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of funny looking like the liner notes of Zam and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I think that comes with like being around religion so much that you kind of like look at the other side of it. And uh, and I have friends, I, I, honestly, so we recorded that with Zachary James 
who is in a band called Twin Temple with his mm. wife, uh, Alexander. And, um, and they are real life, uh, sat- Satanists or say, you know, they follow that, uh, what do you call it? It's not a religion, but you know, that, that's like, they're, that, they're real. That's their thing. They're really mm-hmm. into that. And I think some of that kind of seeped into, uh, what we were doing, just hanging out with them and, yeah. and like thinking about all that stuff, sex, magic and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've twin temple is great i've seen them live uh when they opened up for uncle acid and the deadbeats um oh, yeah it was a great show they were incredible um that was the first time i had heard of them so jumping into them head first live was like what is this this is a new experience <laughs> yeah, yeah the, they do the ritual <laughs> they do the ritual and everything yeah it's insane it's so cool <laughs> um but but we'd like to talk a little bit about um some some album stuff but yep. before we get into that, we have to end it right now because oh, yeah. Zoom. Uh, so I'll end it, and then I'll invite you within the minute. All righty. I'll see you on the other side. All right. Take care. Later. Uh, well, welcome back. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed your intermission. Grab some snacks. Ah, but, um, so yeah, we left off talking about... Um, we wanted to go into. I wanted to delve into some of the uh, some choice cut songs that I just have to talk about with you uh, now that we have you here in the flesh, in the virtual flesh, I should say. Uh, um, it's a great name for a song, "Virtual Flesh." Um, <laughs> write it down. Just credit me. Give me credit. Um, but uh, I have to start off with uh, one of my. It is my favorite song. Uh, that you guys have ever written, and it's uh, Let Love Be Love on Brain Telephone. And I talked about it on my deep dive, on our deep dive of you, and I was saying that I don't know what it is about the song that makes it seem very, like it, it makes me very nostalgic for some reason. And it's, I don't know, it sends me to another place when I listen to it, I don't know why, like it's, it's, it just, it has that effect. And I just wanted to know, like, is there a story or anything like writing that song? Um, because lyrically, um, it seemed very, um, I don't know. I don't know. Just, just tell me about that song. I just wanted to know. (laughs) Um, well, thanks. I'm I'm stoked you like that song. That's like one of those songs that I felt like most subconscious about. I feel like those like slower ballady songs, love songs. Uh, sometimes I'm like, like oh god, why did I put that on the album? So it's <laughs> nice to hear that someone really likes it. That, that it's your favorite song. That's kind of surprising, but um, awesome. Uh, I, that song was super like musically was inspired by the ever everly brothers i'm like Mm. i love them so much they're from kentucky they're like anytime they're on someone puts them on i'm just like stop listening and i'm just like honed in on that like you know whatever whatever song it may be um their harmonies are just amazing but um yeah so I, i guess i was kind of like Musically, I wanted to do something inspired by the Everly Brothers, um, which, you know, that's really hard to do. But and I think most of it's like not like only the chorus has like the harmonies. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would even consider it that. But yeah, that's what I was shooting for. Uh, Lyrically, it's like I think I just had this realization of like relationships and how like it, do, it doesn't really serve a purpose to, you know, like be like, uh, like question, like h- how much someone loves you or how, you know, you know, like, are we going to be together forever? Like all of that stuff. I feel like it really gets in the way of just being like present and in love. And mm-hmm. so I think that was kind of the message of that song mm-hmm. uh, or whatever, you know, or whatever anyone else thinks it is. It could be something else. Uh, mm. I don't want to, I don't want to define it for anyone, but, um, 
yeah, and I'm trying to think of like the instrumentation. I feel like I, I just had the chords and then like all that extra uh, kind of like it's it's I think that uh, what's cool about playing with the guy like Glenn and Josh at the time or who I was playing with and Alex is like when I would like go into a style I feel like I wouldn't have to tell them the style they would just kind of like instinctually like pick up on it and then that would be the direction everything moved in and so there's a lot of these older songs at least that are like kind of really stylistic like um I can't think of one at the, uh, right now but you know something like like vibrations or something it just has a very like specific style and so playing with those guys and, and them just being able to like hear that and then like add to it and, and really bring out that style. So I feel like that's what happened with that song and all that stuff at the end, like those crazy harmonies and stuff. I think that was Glenn's idea to do some like huge ending, like mm-hmm. massive layered stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that question was more so just for my personal gain. Like, it's not in our notes or anything. I just I just had to ask about it. Oh, right on. Well, I um, but I mean, that could lead into uh, you did mention you like the slower songs, like um, "Lovely" on like "Heavy Roller," for example. Uh, mm. Would you ever consider like doing any of those songs live, or is it kind of just like mm, you know, because your your set is very high energy, like you had said earlier. Um, and watching you guys live, I definitely you know get that. Um, but would you ever consider like throwing in one of those songs just as a just as a kind of breather while people can go and find their shoes in the crowd and stuff? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, I, like lovely. I think like I'm I'm totally with you. Like breather songs are super important, especially for us jumping around all the time, and then you know for everyone in the audience too. But I feel like you don't want to take the energy down too much, and those mm. songs are like. Like, I almost would rather see, like, play those songs in, like, a set that was, like, catered to be more of, like, a soft set, Mm -hmm. which I would totally be down for and honestly would be so sick. (laughs) I think (laughs) that would be. Yeah, more of, like, a, a, uh, what do you call it, like, an unplugged type of feel. Oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah, I'd be really excited to do something like that. But, yeah, I I don't see us, like, adding that song in particular to the uh-huh. live set. Mm-hmm. Not much for the drummer to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you ever consider doing, now that you, you got my mind racing with all these kinds of ideas, like would you ever do like a slower album or is that just not something you're into? Uh, I wouldn't write that off at all. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be, it probably wouldn't be an album that we'd tour behind, but mm-hmm. I, I would love I definitely, the more we figure out our studio and like we can just crank out more material, I totally want to explore all kinds of different, you know, genres or styles. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely like to do a, a softer uh, record. That's very exciting to hear because uh, I really like when bands like have their albums that are really good live a lot of the songs are good live but then like when the beatles stopped touring they came out with sergeant pepper and they they just you know lived in the studio basically uh i like that a lot of bands nowadays are kind of i mean they're still touring making touring albums but also like uh stripping it back so please do that please uh please make a stripped down one uh that'd be really cool well thanks guys that's a really good idea and like the more i think like that's one of those things that you overthink and you're like, no one wants to hear slow, like unplug, whatever, like love songs or slow shit. But mm-hmm. you know, if you guys are into it, I, there's probably more people out there that are into it as well. Mm-hmm. You're your harshest critic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, whenever that inevitably happens, just make sure you credit us and uh, <laughs> yeah. there'll, there'll be no lawsuits involved. <laughs> well, that was the name of the album like, <laughs> catered by Corey and Wellesley <laughs> that'd be great picking it back up a little uh, what goes into choosing because you said going back into touring now again you're kind of looking back at like older songs and stuff mm-hmm. and that kind of has me wondering like now that you guys are on Greenway 
uh, or you've been on Greenway, uh, now that you're repressing all your older stuff. Because uh, one thing that I really like about you guys a lot is you seem very like hands-on and sort of DIY in a way with your stuff. Because you guys do a lot of the artwork. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's it seems like you like to keep everything real in-house for the most part uh, when you guys can. And with this new Greenway, like repressing a vinyl that you guys have, um, you're redoing like all the liner notes and you're adding spot UV gloss like on top of the original cover, which is just more cool shit to look at when you have the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and does is that affecting, like what is it like revisiting that older material? Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're like, you like the, the reissues. Um, it's been really fun. Like, yeah, ever since we partnered with Greenway Records, it's just been like, he, Harry, who does Greenway Records is incredible. Like he works so hard and he's like always just coming up with ideas. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like once you, once you get that team, that's just kind of always feeding ideas and, and wanting to like move things forward, like Harry does. And, um, and you know, all the artists we work with, it's like, that's what makes going back and, and, and playing these songs and like getting into the older stuff exciting for us because it, it, it's like, you know, like Harry wanted to remaster everything. And, and so now it sounds way like thicker and, and just, you know, it's like the lo-fi stuff is cool too, but there's something about like, you know, having all of the frequencies there. We, they used to, but I think we used to be a little jaded by the old albums and how they sounded. And so, you know, even remastering them has kind of like excited me more for those. And then I think, yeah, like definitely a DIY ethic has always been like super strong in the way I like to do things and the way we like to do things as a band. And then Harry is just someone who's also in that mindset and he is just working so hard and becoming like, uh, it's like, it's like we found someone that we can build with. And, um, so it's a really, it's, that's been a rewarding partnership. And then, and then to like, to be reissuing all these albums has been really exciting because for the longest time they've been out of press. And Mm -hmm. so we play shows and we only have, you know, Zam or now we'll have Zam and Mepham and now we'll have, almost all of them and we're working on having all of them and so that in itself is really exciting to just be able to like turn new people on to the to the old stuff or people that just like didn't get to get the old stuff that don't want to pay out the ass for it like now they can you know actually get it and Mm -hmm. and the arts stuff is just that just makes it like that's just the fun part of like okay we're making a new record so what you know what yeah. can we do? Well, how can we be creative with it? And that's where the the UV and the, the liner notes and stuff come in. It's just mm-hmm. something fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's really cool because it seems like it's very attention to detail with with uh, those releases. Like, just, like, cool little things. Like, if you get all the, the represses, like, you could line up the liner notes and it makes, like, one big art collage thing. Um, and we're still missing one more. We're waiting for that last one. <laughs> I'm literally working on it, like, right here. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's just really cool. And um, Thanks, man. Besides all the music and stuff, I know Wesley wanted to ask something. Uh, you know, we, we, we usually... Uh, Cause we like to get to know the person, you know? Sure. Uh, so we got to know the musician a little. Uh, so Wesley, why don't you go ahead and, uh, it's gonna uh, get yeah. <laughs> Starting off with an easy question. Uh, what, what kind of hobbies do you have? Like, what do you like to do just besides music for fun? I, I love to draw. I uh-huh. mean, um, I'm really fortunate. Um, like my partner, uh, Nikki, or some people call her pickle uh she's an amazing designer and artist as well and so we've always worked and collaborated on art and so that makes me feel more excited about working on things because i've never really considered myself to be like an illustrator or anything like that but but uh just having some like having a someone to bounce ideas off with and and kind of partner on art um 
makes me want to do it more. So I've been, I've been drawing a lot, which is, it's, it's a nice meditation, especially in this time of like not being able to like pour energy out to a crowd. I can at least pour it out into some kind of drawing or something instead of, you know, inside, (laughs) which is dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) What, one thing that I really like about your artwork is it's it's very detailed and there's very little minute things. Like you really like to get in and fill in like each little crevice. And um, it's really cool like looking at like Brain Telephone, like that album cover and stuff and just looking at all the little things that you've hidden in there. <laughs> it's like really a, cool. where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> That's one of my favorite album covers of all time, and the the original die cut sleeve for that record. Uh, I I bought the 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 repress that you guys did, but I also I had to go out and find one of the originals so I can have the die cut sleeve because oh. it's it's just absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I had to have it. Thanks. Um, yeah, so it's great. Um, that was Nikki's idea. The yeah. uh, die cut. She that was all her. She. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it was kind of like a controversial thing. Like, can we do this? And then, uh, you know, I think it worked out because it's tasteful. It's like the the women that are in it are empowered, and they're like rock stars. And it's not, you know, it's not like women are ornaments or anything. I think, yeah. I think we, we tried to do it tastefully, but still, it's like a fun little little secret. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I saw she had posted about it a few weeks ago. Um, I, I guess it was it was the anniversary for Brain Telephone, and it was really cool. It's it's probably one of my favorite. Like it is my favorite die cut sleeve on record because it's <laughs> it's just it's so smart. Like I never would have thought of that. <laughs> are you into like other than like are you into like reading at all or you know because lyrically like your music and stuff it sounds like it comes from a very like sci-fi place. And I was just wondering, like, do you watch a lot of sci-fi or read a lot of sci-fi or anything like that? Honestly, no. Like, I mean, I... So, yeah, I've never been one to read. I think it just wasn't, like, instilled in me as a kid. Like, none of my parents were in, into reading, and I didn't have friends that read. It's probably just from coming from, like, a like a less educated part of the country. But uh, I really enjoy listening to, like... like uh, philosophy kind of like talks or like you know i'm really into terrence mckenna i guess i i have read some of his books um and they're dense but <laughs> but uh i think a lot of the ideas for the lyrics and stuff come from either like uh, psychedelic experiences i've had or other people talking about psychedelic experiences they've had or like uh, right now I'm really into Ram Dass. I've been listening to a lot of his uh, lectures and that's been, I wouldn't call them lectures, like talks. Uh, yeah, I like long form talks, especially people like that, that talk about like philosophy or um, their, yeah, their crazy mushroom trips. There was this guy, Kalindi E, who passed away, I think this this year actually, um, from COVID, unfortunately. But uh, he he he's awesome. He ta- he would he basically would take like thirty or forty grams of mushrooms Jesus and, and, and do these <laughs> lectures about like what it was like to go into the like subatomic world and uh, yeah stuff like that always really inspired me visually and, and lyrically. Uh huh. Big. Yeah. Big, Big into that. Big up yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we can talk about this. Um, if we can't, I, I could just edit it out. But what do you think has been like your most um, beautiful experience in that in that realm? I that's a good way to put it, I guess. Beautiful <laughs> experience. Oh man. I mean, just experiencing stuff with my partner is, mm-hmm. is always really beautiful because. Um, we're just so close and like, uh, you know, sometimes it's not even, it's not like, it's all not fun in games. Like sometimes yeah. it, gets, it gets heavy, but then on the other side, you just feel closer and more, more in tune and more like, 
you know, on the same page. And um, so that's been a beautiful part. And then honestly, recently, just like I had this really, I've had these crazy experiences that have kind of like awakened things that I need to work on. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's really healthy to do, you know, like to work on yourself and, and um, yeah, so I think, a lot like they're not fun trips or experiences <laughs> excuse me but they are necessary yes. and uh, so that's yeah that's if that covers it yeah <laughs> what about you you guys have any beautiful experiences um one time i had a <clears throat> this one particular beautiful experience where um i i took a substance and uh, I set the bath, you know, pretty warm. And I listened to, is it Green is the Color by Pink Floyd? Is that the name of the song? Uh, it was so, like, yeah. Yeah. I forgot, sorry. Um, but anyways, I listened to that song, uh, like a live version. I was just sitting in the tub and I was taken away. There was this uh, swarm of lights that turned into like a silhouette of some spiritual female figure. And she was like inviting me to come with her down the rabbit hole, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was really cool. I was like, there's yeah. no way this is real. But I was kind of hesitant. I didn't go. I was like, I don't know if I should go. And by the time I you know, decided like, I'm going to go with this woman, she was already dancing away and I came back. I was like, whoa, that, that was something else. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I I still wonder what that means to this day, but I guess don't hesitate. Just just go do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. go with the flow. Yeah, it's always a good uh, mantra. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I oh, know I'm boring. I like beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most perfect answer right now. I just <laughs> it couldn't have been more perfectly timed. that's cool though i mean yeah i mean if you if you talk about music like honestly i think the coolest experiences i've had as far as music and experiences are like with like early on in the in the in the days of the band we would like you know we'd hang out and make tea and then uh listen to albums and i'll never forget listening to ram by Paul McCartney. Oh, oh. Dude, and just like the idea of like the way he structures music, it uh-huh. just all became this. It was just very inspiring moment of like, oh yeah, like you can take like th- like two different, completely different sounding like parts of a song and like transition them and make them work together and have this like, you know, like ever changing thing. Like song, like songs don't have to be like perfectly symmetrical like verse chorus for you know what i mean like listening to that album and and hearing just the ever-changing structures was like i can't tell you how many times me and wesley have gotten (laughs) like super drunk and have done the exact same thing listening to ram it's always ram it's always ram (laughs) we always go back to it i'm like what do we put on? Be like this Ram. Is Ram. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I now that we brought this up, I have to ask you: Paul McCartney or John Lennon? Oh, I mean, overall, overall, everything. Overall, everything. Honestly, probably Paul. Like, I, I dig John. I think Plastic Ono stuff's really great. Ram, Ram's just like one of my all-time favorite albums. That's all you need. That's all you need. It's, it's like it's so it's such a pivotal moment in music because it was like home or it wasn't home recorded, but it was kind of inspired by his home recordings and it had that feel. And like, it was so honest, you know, he had his wife in there. Like Linda's not the best singer, but she still like makes these really they made awesome. it work. Yeah. 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 And it's, it, yeah, that album is so deep. It's like hard to touch and all the the stuff before that. I mean, like, my machine, my machine. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to that song the other day. Uh, all the deep cuts. Um, but yeah, so. But Paul. Paul for sure. I'm, I'm the same way. <laughs> what about you, Wes? 
Uh, He's a John man. I'm a John man. Yeah. Sorry to say. It's just I love I love his um lyrics a lot. That's uh he's the one that really got me into music and want wanted me to uh pick up the guitar in the first place and uh try writing music, even though I haven't written in years, but but um Corey has been showing me some more Paul McCartney music after the Beatles and I was wrong before. I used to kinda hate on Paul. I don't know why. Dumb kid, but well, I think there's a balance to that, too, where it's like in the Beatles, I think I favored John. His songs were edgier. He was pushing the envelope a lot more. He wasn't like, I don't know, some of the Paul stuff gets too whimsical, like too like, I'm British. And you're like, ah, oh, we get it. <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer. <laughs> what, did, what did John call it? Granny shit. <laughs> Granny shit. <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah yeah so i feel you i think i think i mean they're both incredible right and that you couldn't have one without the other they mm. were perfect the perfect balance of one another yeah uh, that's cool though that john turned you on to playing guitar i mean what a cool like influence to start with yeah it was uh specifically the uh <clears throat> the home demo of strawberry fields uh, when I first heard that, um, I think they played it on the Love compilation. I was like, mm. I've, I love this song, but I've never heard this version. And, you know, I, I picked up the guitar that Christmas and it was never turned back, except I should practice more. But <laughs> <laughs> the second part of the Ram story, we listen, we get drunk and we listen to Ram. And then probably halfway through the B-side of Ram, we start arguing about who the better Beatle was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we end the night mad at each other. <laughs> we end up like, I turn into John Lennon and Corey turns into Paul and like, we're doing accents and it's acting it's scenarios out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> I've been it's telling terrible. Corey, we need to uh, like sit up a camera somewhere and record some of it. Maybe not release all of it, but... <laughs> Yeah, we could definitely not really solve it because it gets pretty. It gets pretty edgy. Yeah, it gets real personal. Yeah, we get. We're like, oh well, John did this and Paul did this, and we're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's bring it back a little. Yeah. Um, not the art, not the person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, that was a fun little Beatles tangent. I always tell Wesley, I'm like, we could do episodes. Me and Wesley could do episodes and episodes just talking about the Beatles. Yeah, um, I think people would listen to that for sure. I feel like there's too much of it already, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's true. But, um, okay. So, before we end the show, we like to do a little segment of uh, listener-submitted questions. Hmm. And uh, I'll read a few. Um, this is off Instagram. Uh, this is from Ian Jan... Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Ian Ian J. Sands, I think, is what it is. Sorry. Uh, but his question is, favorite opening bands from past tours? Oh, that's cool. Uh, wow. Dude, I mean, they didn't open for us. It was more of a co-headline tour, but Stonefield are mm. incredible. Touring with them was, like, awesome. I mean, they're, they're really fun to hang out with, but also, like, musically, they were just so tight i mean it's crazy because they're they're all sisters and they've all like mm -hmm. been playing music together for like so long but yeah just like witnessing that every night just like that tightness and that and and uh and people reacting to it was was so nice they're incredible mm -hmm. yeah stonefield for sure cool <laughs> um well i have to throw this in there one of the shows the tours that you guys did that i'm really envious of well, there's a bunch, because uh, <laughs> I know you guys have played with uh, OCs uh, at a show, and I was just like, God, how did anybody make make it out of that show alive? Like, coming <laughs> off Frankie and the Witch Fingers and OCs. Um, but also uh, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets and you guys. Yeah. Uh, so Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets was actually the first episode of this podcast. So. Oh, that's awesome. What yeah, a good guy to interview. He's so like just like just oozes kindness like yeah he was super nice yeah love that guy <laughs> um this next one is from instagranders with a z uh, -huh. uh what's your favorite artist at the moment that gives you inspiration um 
Dude, I I really been digging uh, dig, digging into like Fela Kuti, just like there's so many albums, and it's so cool because they're all like most of them are like two to three tracks, and then but they're like you know these like fifteen minute tracks, and then uh, yeah, I'm 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 really digging Fela Kuti right now. The rhythms, the the like message behind the music, like um. It's really inspiring, and uh, and then like yeah, he he did a live record with Ginger Baker that's incredible. Mm. Like, I I've always been like a rhythm person. Like I I'm, I mean I like melody and music, but like drums were my first instrument, and I'm a rhythm guitarist. So anything that's like heavy rhythm is is up my alley, and and I've recently just been head first into Fela Kuti. It's awesome. Yeah. Cool. You guys dig Fela? Listen to that at all? I don't think I've ever heard. I'm going to definitely check him out later today. Incredible. Uh, How do you spell that? uh, F-E-L-A-K-U-T-I. There's uh, his story is, is, is like amazing. Like uh, if you find a documentary about him, just like the adversity he faced. I mean, like the, the entire like Nigerian government was like against him because he was like outspoken about like colonialism and, and, and how things were in the government. And so they like burned down his commune and God. I mean, yeah, just his mo- they killed his mother. Like Jesus and Christ. went and made a song about it and was just like, you know, this is happening and just telling the world it's, it's, super inspiring and powerful stuff Hmm. we'll definitely have to check that out oh yeah um this next question is from hammock uh they asked uh dylan once described their sound as interdimensional cat traveling (laughs) how would he label the band's current sound label it uh, <laughs> First I mean, that's mistake. Probably, that's probably why I said something stupid like that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, we like uh, we're psych psych rock or like I don't know. We like we like a lot of different types of music, and so I think it is like hard to. It's not hard, but you just you don't want to like live in inside any kind of bubble. So like, yeah, you know, I think we're really into funk right now too. Maybe maybe you could Ooh. call. It- not funkadelic that's already a thing <laughs> <laughs> sorry a really awesome thing that's something else i've been really digging Fela uh, and and uh funkadelic i love funkadelic so um good. i saw that you guys had a video i forgot what it was on on youtube where you guys are talking about your favorite albums and uh josh chose maggot brand i was like yes that's one of my top albums also oh, so yeah. it's great uh because you guys are really into funk right now is that kind of can that kind of lend to what we might hear coming out or yeah yeah i would say so some of it you know like uh i mean shaughnessy our our drummer is uh is really into that stuff as well and so uh yeah, we've been digging into it quite a bit. Uh, everyone, everyone's into that stuff. Nikki's into that stuff too. We all, we're all kind of digging into the funk world. Not too mm-hmm. much. It's such a fine line, you know. Like white people playing funk music. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't want to mess mess it up. But mm-hmm. Rhythm. It's all about the rhythm and the pocket. That's really what it is. It's just stuff's gonna be more pocket. Keep yeah, we, we talked about a, we talked about a when we were on our monsters eating people eating monsters part of the the deep dive. We talked mm-hmm. about how incredible Sean is. Like the whole all the percussion bits in in that yeah. album are incredible. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's uh, an an inspiring person to be around. As someone who really enjoys rhythm, to be with someone. Uh, to play music with someone of his caliber and, and watch his mind work with drums. It's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, to wrap things up, we always like to ask, what does the future hold for Dylan, uh, Frankie and the Witchfingers? We know you're working on some new stuff. If you can maybe give us a little uh, tidbits. If not, then 
just give us whatever you can. What what does the future hold for you guys? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're gonna release some new material soon, very soon. Um, that we recorded in our space that I was talking about the the like practice space. We kind of set up a little studio and have been doing some stuff our, on our own. Josh uh, has been like killing it, just like learning more and more about recording and mixing as we go along. And so I'm really excited to, to, to get that stuff out. And, um, and then, yeah, we're just going to try to kill it on this tour. We got like six weeks of shows and, uh, we'll have, we'll have all the, ha- have all the fun we can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've seen that, uh, that new practice space that you guys have been working on, on Instagram. It looks really cool. Like, it looks super, super cool. Thanks. Um, it's been fun. It's a little, little cave house, like cave to go into and <laughs> forget <laughs> what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, super excited for what the future holds uh, for you guys. Really excited to see you guys, see you guys at Levitation. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day and stay safe and stay clean out there. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for taking the time to do this, Corey and Wesley. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Um, and I, yeah, hope to see you in Austin or somewhere else soon. Of course, of course. All right. Yep. Have a good one. All right. See take ya. it easy. You too. See it. Later.